Welcome to Sin 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Matthew. You know what, bro? What? I'm super excited for today. Yeah, I, I bet. really am. I really because my, I've had a heart for the place that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, for a long time. I'm excited to hear what's going on. Number one, I want to check on our episodes and see in the last two years how many times I've started <laughs> the episode with Matthew. Matthew, <laughs> hey, Matt, and how many times we said we were excited, which is very true. Yes, but you're going to be more excited at the end of this conversation. I bet than you are at the beginning because you understand some of the roots of ECTLC, which yes. will tell everybody what that is. But who's running it now? is extraordinary so exciting we really should be doing video because by the end of this i'm gonna make her blush oh. for sure this is no doubt about it okay so dr julie hayden uh -huh. first of all we're friends we're co-workers we claim the same fellowship of foothills christian church which comes up a lot on the show uh, you have spoken at so many things and are so highly regarded We'll put all of your contact information in the show notes so you can get overwhelmed with opportunities to go speak because you get so much time on your hands. You know, I, I never say no. Oh, I love that. It. I know, oh, I know. Wow. I just enjoy it. So yeah, yeah, do it. You know, we talked with Gary Barkalo probably two years ago, and he wrote a book on It's Your Call. Mm -hmm. And it's about calling from a really interesting perspective that calling isn't a task or what you do. Calling is understanding what God has poured into you and pouring that out. That's your calling in the body of Christ. So many times you delight yourself in the Lord. He gives you those desires of your heart. You want to do the things that you're doing, at least some of them, <laughs> hopefully most of them, but it's just so natural. It's in, in your sweet spot, which is another way to say that. So you're just really good at that. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. We have been working on it a while, haven't we? Both of us tend to fill up the hours of the day with mm -hmm. stuff that we're passionate about. Sometimes we talk about how you came to the Lord and everything, and I do want to talk about that because I don't know it. Uh -huh. You are one of the people that I just love you, uh -huh. but I'd like to know you better. <laughs> Some people, the more you get to know them, it's like, <laughs> no, no wishy-washy about that. I doubt that that will happen. I want you to describe East County Transitional Living Center, how you got involved in it, and the incredibly important work that you do. And before you start, some people, if they want to get more information from a little different perspective, Alex, who heads up your worship team at your church, came on and told us a little bit about his story. Yeah, so if you love so this cool. story, go back and listen to Alex and, and you'll get an even fuller picture from his point of view. So I'm done talking. Okay. Tell me. Sure. East County Transitional Living Center, ECTLC. I'll give you a little bit and then you could tell me if you want me to go back farther. Okay. Because my husband and I have been on a road for a long time, just really called to ministry. And to sum it up, it's strengthening families. And we know we've got to help a person get healthy themselves with God and their mental health, addiction, all that to strengthen their families. So that's been a mission of ours. And we've got history building up to this. We had a drug treatment program in the middle of the mountains that was probably the hardest year of our life and the most rewarding year. And that is its own story. And we had to close it. And it was shocking. And it changed the perspective we had of what God was doing, you know, in our ministry. 
And a lot happened right at that moment. And about two days after I finally got settled, moving my family, just everything chaotic, I got a call from ECTLC (laughs) and my, uh, they needed a CEO. And my first answer was, you are crazy. No way. I'm taking a nap, you know, but how God works truly to our core. My husband and I have a mantra, equip people, strengthen families and impact the community. And when I stood on the campus of ECTLC and I realized that there's about a hundred rooms filled with families that were homeless and desperate and now transforming their life, it was just like, this is it. God wants us here. So it's been a whirlwind. I would love to tell you all about ECTLC. So tell me if you want me to go into kind of what it is in the program. I I really would. And I want to talk about the transition. It's transitional living, but Mm -hmm. this transition and the leadership. Before Pastor Hero Brown passed away. He was scheduled to come on the show. Yeah. And he was just too sick. Like within a week or so, right? Yeah. yeah. It was, you know, so we couldn't get his vision and his message, but obviously he's the platform that it started from. And you are very, very different than Harold. One thing you both do share is a passion for what you're doing, right? And But it, it can just be done so many different ways. And because we had history with you and knew your capacity and your leadership and all of that, Um, I was just really, number one, excited and interested, but number two, how can I help? Mm -hmm. How can we come alongside? Because so many people do dangerous frontline in the battle ministry that we're not qualified to do. We wouldn't do it that well. And I'm very grateful that other people are doing that. So how can we support it? Mm -hmm. And you're you're one of those. So yeah, explain to somebody because so many people are listening Mm -hmm. that who would go, oh, I need that, or I know somebody that needs that. We need to know the incredible resources that are available to us. Homelessness is part of it, but also brokenness and mental health and addiction and all of that. They all just weave together. So explain how you go about it, what you do. Yeah, that's probably what I see different about ECTLC than many other places is I think they get it. It's not just about having a roof over your head. Uh, Homelessness is so much more than that, and it's getting worse and different. So always you've had homelessness, and really you have mental health difficulties. So people that have schizophrenia, bipolar, you know, various types of mental health disorders, one huge aspect of that is sometimes that creates chaos in your relationships and you burn bridges. So you might lose your support system. So many of us have bad things happen, but we have family, church, everybody around us. So when you have a support system, you may not end up so desperate that you're on the streets. But when all that's gone, then these types of things happen. So the mental health addiction is huge. I've been there about eight months. And when I first came on, I asked, what percentage would you say people coming in looking for housing options and transitional living deal with addiction? And they said probably easy 90%. And I'm seeing that too. It, that is complicated. You would do things different if you are addicted to a substance than you would if you're not. So that's a huge factor in homelessness is that they've burnt their bridges because of addiction. And sometimes they started an addiction because they were homeless for various reasons. And then the other kind of third big huge factor is trauma. So that's where I come in with a different perspective. I think 
for 20 years, they've been helping people that come with the same stories that I'm seeing now. And they did a great job transforming lives and probably at the root of it because they get a relationship with God, you know, and that's transformative. But they also would deal with addiction and deal with life choices to just do something better. Where I come in as a psychologist is that perspective of trauma and how you can't just kind of squish it down, cover it up. It just comes out everywhere in decision making and somebody could have a great opportunity to transform their life and they just sabotage it and go right back to the Mm. same thing. And a lot of that's because of trauma. So your brain's wired differently and you have to heal. It can't just be covered up and make a good decision tomorrow. That's really important, but sometimes you got to have a healing time. Hmm. And of course, God and the Holy Spirit heals like no other. <laughs> so having hmm. that relationship with God is transformative all by itself. And then I love studying the brain and the body, and I see it as honoring to God because it's his yeah. creation. And I see how this comes from my husband and his studies, but how humans were created to be in relationship, how they were created to work. And so when you can start healing relationships, when you can get people back to work, it's true to their human nature. It feels good. It fills in depth. So healing from trauma, healing from addiction, healing from brokenness in in families and relationships, it's so much, it's complex and you got to have all of it happening. And so... That's probably my favorite aspect of ECTLC. You can have a year. You don't have to get it done in 30 days. In 60 days, you have a year to go on this road. More realistic, yeah. Yeah. And so people do take this road for a year, sometimes longer, to really have a full transformation. So by the time they graduate, they have a job. They have relationships built back up. They're hopefully healthy. They have a relationship with God, hopefully connected into a local body of Christ, a church somewhere. And then they get their permanent housing and now they can keep it because that layering effect of transformation was there. It just points out that I was on the East County Homeless Task Force for about three years and it was so frustrating. But there are a lot of people working on it and it's very complicated. Mm -hmm. There is not an easy solution. That's why... And the three years I worked on the task force, it just got worse. That's why our yeah. government can't figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And without the Lord, I can't. I just, it's impossible. I, have not, I feel it's just a hopeless thing. It's going to mm-hmm. be forever as horrible as it is. And it doesn't have to be. How many people do you house there? So we can have about 350 on our main campus, and then we have several other lo- locations. The family side is depends on the size of the family. So that's where you might have from 200 to 300 sometimes. And that is, you can have up to five, sometimes more, but if they're little kids, in one room, and we have about 75 open right now. We're working on about 14 more to get back online. And then we have about 100 singles we can have on campus in El Cajon. The other locations, two of them are for beginning stages. So if they're going to come in the one-year program, they do three months at at what we call the ranches, but they're just other locations that are secluded in beautiful areas for them to have a peaceful place away from everything. So they spend their first three months there, and then they come to the main campus. Families come straight in. 
And we do have emergency housing. So we have a faith-based program that's one year, but emergency housing, people don't have to participate in Bible studies. They can come just to get back on their feet with a fast turnaround time. Mm, yeah, okay. And we do that basically for our city, yeah. city of alcohol and sand, our surrounding areas. Sometimes police are desperate. They have a family that needs in right away. Yeah. And so to get them in, get them help, and then we start working on, okay, where are you going next? That's emergency housing, and that's available too. The one-year program, we use these other satellite campuses, and we have people even, if they want after to stay on, if they couldn't find a place, we have a men's sober living that they can stay in as well. Gotcha. Um, Those emergency housing phone calls, I've made a few of those to ECTLC for sure. On the other side of it, I've got people who work for me who do great work for me that I love and respect. Robert Baker, shout out to you. Yep. Who, hey, Rob. And so when he sees, so he works for me, does a great job, and he went through the program. Uh-huh. And so we encounter homeless people maybe every day. I'd say pretty much every day in the part of El Cajon that we're in, and we love them. We make sure that crazy stuff doesn't happen, but when you've been through the program and you've seen the success of where I was and where I am, you can start a conversation, and the people that I've had this experience with, they're only ready when they're ready. And it may be a blip, a little window, and if you don't catch them right, then you got to wait until they are ready. But I remember just the very beginning of it, one of the things that Harold taught me about homeless folks, people experiencing homelessness is I said, so what's the starting point? And he goes, ask them their name. Mm. And I would have never, ever forgot that because then it's a human being Mm -hmm. and it's not some homeless person kind of thing. So I want to use part of this because what our show is all about is encouraging and equipping people to share their faith Mm -hmm. with other people. Uh And there's some people that are just terrified of folks that are on the street. They're just scared or they don't know what to do. So this is partly equipping and knowing that there are resources available that they can say, hey, there's a place for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Man, oh man, let's look at this. I want to know how somebody got here, right? Because you're doing a great work and I really want to inspire people with, there are amazing things, hard things that are going on in our community. And when you said you're serving our city with the emergency homelessness, I called up just recently, said, hey, I've got this family. Is there any way? I heard they're like one millionth on the waiting list or something. And you said, Kevin, we have a policy. The three Ps, police, politicians, and past, and we'll find a place. And that that was just, that was so cool. Mm -hmm. But other people know how to... If they know how to contact you, then they know that there's a resource they can use, and it all starts with asking their name. Mm -hmm. How'd you meet the Lord? How did you get on this trail? Why did you think this would be a good idea? It's been a long road now. Funny enough, I was saved when I was five years old, and it was very real. (laughs) I was raised in a Christian family and very fire and brimstone kind of church. And I heard a sermon and it was just clear to me, oh, wow, I need to get saved. <laughs> this is dangerous. <laughs> it's fine. So, Things are simple, aren't they? I, yes. And so I remember going home and asking my dad, how do I, I was too scared to walk in front of church up when they were calling people. So I asked him when I got home, how am I saved? How do I do this? And he led me to the Lord. And I say, you know, 
it was 13 that I heard my pastor say something. And I was like, that doesn't seem right. And I came to my, my dad and I'm like, I don't know if I agree with this. And he said, research it. He told me, research it for yourself. I, I wrote a paper on it. I you, did my pastor about it. I was 13. Yeah. Uh, and that was fostered in my family is make it your own and go research and see what it says. And did you straighten that pastor out? He, he didn't really change his mind, but that's <laughs> okay. okay. And But it was fun for me. And it was a passionate experience that I really enjoyed. And when I was deciding what degree to get after high school, I went for a bachelor's in Bible. And I thought, I have no idea what God wants me to do, but I love the Bible. It's mm. just amazing. And so I went to Christian Heritage at the time, now San Diego Christian College. And when I decided what was I doing next, I decided to get a master's in religious study because it was the fastest master possible. So no good reason just to get it passed. <laughs> but that's when I discovered counseling at the seminary, Southern California Seminary. And it sitting in the first class, it pieced together all my passion, everything I loved, ministry side as well as who I was as a person in a profession, in psychology and counseling. And by that time I was married and my husband and I were both in ministry at a church and we, we didn't know exactly what was coming, but we knew we were called. We didn't know what that meant. So when, I, when we started going down this road of psychology, there was a particular study he did in Genesis that he just studied it at such a de deep level that it changed our marriage, it changed our family, it changed our goals for the future. Wow. It was transformative. And so that I'll never forget hearing him talk about what he discovered in Genesis. Can you share a little bit of that? Yeah, yeah I'd love to. It's my favorite topic. But basically, when he's looking at chapters one through three, the curses stood out to him. And in particular, the curse to Satan, that there would be war enmity between woman's seed and Satan's seed, and that it was genetic, sexual, biological, that we had been looking at this, just what seemed to be a scattering of problems, because we were already in psychology, we're looking at domestic violence and addiction and PTSD and human trafficking, and it could just look scattered and so overwhelming. But when he looked at through that perspective, he goes, hey, there's been a war of Satan against humans since the beginning of time. Wow. And it's against a family unit. Yes. That it's sexual, genetic, biological, wow. and that it's not on accident. And we saw all of it through that lens. And he took it many different ways. He ended up in business and seeing management principles and everything human out of Genesis 1 through 3. But I saw it as okay, we're in a war. Yeah. I am now a warrior. I have to train my kids to be warriors. And we are raising an army and we didn't know what for, but we've been on a, on a road since then with lots of um, various endeavors that are still unfolding. But it's from a perspective of there's a war against family yeah. unit, the man, woman, offspring. And we wanted to counterattack and strengthen families. And so that's where our adventure started. And we went to Yosemite and came back, sold our house, lived in a tiny house. <laughs> we thought it was for a few months and it was for seven years <laughs> and and just went on a path. And that is really exciting. It's really exciting. It, it just, re I relate to it so much. Wasn't or isn't one of your ministries called Genesis? Yes. So, so when we looked at, okay, how could we make the biggest impact? We went 
and started developing platforms. So we had a family conference. You remember that? Our mm-hmm. first family conference was at Foothills. Yeah, right so on. many years ago. And then we jumped to university. So we thought we were at the seminary. I was the dean there and I could see how you could train and develop key people that understood the Bible and could make a dent in society in all these difficulties we were seeing. So we wanted to go for a university, which we did. We have Rhombus University yeah. today that's accredited. And on that road, counseling centers, and we're just seeing, okay, what platforms? How can we do this bigger? How can we get to more people and the impact? So that was Genesis there as a clinical director for about eight years. And it was phenomenal because it was a faith-based drug treatment program, but it really pulled clinical side, medication, God, I mean, everything that worked, AA, all of it. It incorporated all of it in a very individualized way. So a person coming in, what's your story and how are we going to give you a chance at long-term recovery? And it was just ultimately one of my favorite experiences. We were getting accredited and I couldn't do both. So I, I quit. I left. And that was really hard. And it was in the mountains. I thought, oh, I can't believe I'm walking away from this. But I did. And uh, less than a year after that, they were going to close. And I had made it through accreditation, so we were available, and and we came and said, hey, can we take it over? And the person that, that had been running it, Tommy Hawthorne, he said yes. He gave us a good fighting chance of it with some stability there to get it going, and we went for it. Now, there was no clients, and everybody thought it was closed, so it was a startup. It, sounds like it was in the middle of nowhere, off-grid in the mountains. It was one of the most difficult things we've ever done. And we moved our family out there because two months into starting this, I found out I was pregnant. Oh my gosh. So I had two teenagers <laughs> and found out I was pregnant. We all thought God's Goodness. just playing a joke on us, but <laughs> we were so excited oh because obviously my little one-year-old now is just amazing. So I do 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. I'm doing 10 people's jobs and my husband's doing 20 people's jobs and we just dove in as a family. It worked. People's lives were transformed there like I've never seen to this day. I keep in contact with all of them and many of them still clean and sober. And it was just phenomenal. But all that and due to just weird circumstances, we had to close So we thought, oh, here's what God's got planned for us. And we had to close. We had to close quickly. At that point, I had a two-month-old. And we had to get guys to other locations. We had, it was very difficult financially to close. And it was just, a that was, I would say, the hardest year and the most rewarding year of our life. It built into us grit that I didn't know was possible. Funny enough, there was a moment, I was very irritated at the time in my mind, but now I'm grateful that my husband said, I wonder if we went through everything at Genesis so we're ready for ECTLC. Man, was he right. He was right. And I'm grateful for it now. But at the time, I'm like, oh, stop it. No, we don't need more. We don't need bigger. (laughs) But God has blessed and it has led us where we're at now with something I'm picturing in our future of just an ultimate way to give people a chance at transforming their life. It's just phenomenal. Well, you really never know what the Lord is preparing you for. I know that- He's just always training you. What you know is he's training you. Yeah, he's preparing you to to enter in. You know, I've had this question when I was thinking about how this conversation would go. And one of the questions I had for you, because I have a lot of real, I appreciate 
competent people that mm. do good work. Uh, one of my favorite books is The Speed of Trust. I don't know if you've read that, but the idea is when you know somebody's agenda, when you know somebody's capacity, when you know somebody, you can trust them and you can do a lot of stuff together. You can do good work and you can do it faster because when you don't know someone, you have to figure out those things. Can I lean on this person? Uh, are they going to do what they said they're going to do? Do they have a hidden agenda that I'm not aware of? It could mess the whole thing up. So I love competency and people who accomplish things. I've got a lot of friends in this East County, especially, that I do great work with. And many of them are women. Is it hard sometimes to, have you found obstacles or things being a woman in a position of authority and power? I can only imagine. Yeah. I, you could tell yeah. that to me more than sure. I could. Does that come up? Uh, yes. I would say yes, but I've never experienced it. But yeah, I, there was one particular time it just got on my nerves, I have to admit. But most of the time, I don't experience it as negative. And I think that's back at Genesis. When we had that revelation and I thought I'm a warrior, I just put everything into that context. Right. So I have had a lot of interesting battles. And I just see it as, An you know, battle. oh, you're not going to win. I'm yeah. coming. <laughs> so definitely even the seminary, and they all know this, I don't even mind sharing. The seminary is very Bible. It's very male leadership, especially when I came in, I think I was the first female leader there. So it was different and everybody treated me with respect, but it was still that dynamic that, that was there. So there have been battles along the way, but I would say I've just enjoyed it because I think I enjoy a challenge. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is who my husband is. I just think it's a it just makes an impact. So even me fundamentally in how I believe in doctrine, I believe in a male authority marriage. I believe in a male authority church. You know, I have this doctrine, and then here I am. If you let me, I'm start. I'm going to preach. <laughs> I can't on. help it. So, but I see hey, as yes, my husband is my head, and so I feel like I can do leadership anywhere I go because of that. And it like releases you. Yes. Yeah. And he has never cared about getting, hey, here I am. And he actually, I steal his his Bible studies. I steal his thinking. He's eccentric. He's brilliant. And he has all this good stuff. And I would just take it and I start teaching it. And I would get credit for it. Um, <laughs> now I give him credit. You know, okay, but good, before, before it was plagiarism. Yes, it was plagiarism. It's, it's, it's he knew the it form of flattery. Yes. Maybe many women out there will be irritated at this, but I think that has let me flourish, that he yeah. does not mind if I'm out there with the spotlight. He loves it. He's proud of me. He thinks I'm amazing. And that really has yeah. helped the whole thing. So We need and, to have him on the show, too. Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. I, I jumped on a Zoom call that he did. Uh, I, I'm sure it was a rhombus, I'm sure. And he had a handful of guys on there. And I have a lot of respect for him. It yeah. was really excellent how he was teaching and how the men that were there that was my first introduction mm -hmm. to ray yeah but how much respect and admiration and, and trust they had in him yeah. so that yeah. that would be a really good one i think that's one of the reasons why i asked you the question i didn't know exactly where we'd go and i'm really glad mm -hmm. we did because in all of these things when you're talking about your journey and your experience and being a warrior i think there are people experiencing that like you could be yeah. in a place that you cannot see where are you going to go? And you can also be in a place where you're really comfortable and you don't want to go. And so there's people that I think can get e equipping and encouragement in that for sure. I'm really interested too in the answer to this one. What is the Lord telling you personally right now? What is he filling you with? What, what, is, what are you learning? 
You know, I would say my grace is sufficient. There's so many dreams we have. There's so many thing, ways we thought it would all work out and where we would want to be. And he just has unfolded it to say, today is what you have and just love it. I, I have a one-year-old that helps. I, I just have to enjoy right now in this moment with her. So it's just that idea that I can't not have the dreams he's created, both Ray and I, as visionaries. We see it, we want it, we're going for it, but we have to just enjoy today. And there's so many great blessings today. So that is what I think God has been working on us in the last year is, yeah, he'll bless, he'll probably do amazing things in the future, or he won't, and that's totally up to him. We've learned sometimes things don't work out and it just is going to not be what you want. And that's fantastic because what you have right now is already enough. So I hope every day I can live in that because it's peaceful, it's enjoyable, and I just don't want to be a one that pushed so hard that I lost what was most important right in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is smart. There's the quote for the show right there. Yeah. So because such amazing things are happening and you're involved with hard things, for me, that draws me, how can I help? How can Mm -hmm. I support? In two ways. What can people be praying for you? And what can people donate and give to you? Because you and I are working on some projects there. And there are people who are listening right now and said, listen, I want to be a part of that in the way that I can be. So how can they support your ministry? What does ECTLC need? Very good. So prayer, there is spiritual warfare. I've always known this in ministry, no matter what we've done, there's spiritual warfare, but it's ramped up. And I think it's because of how many lives are being transformed. So I would that's a specific prayer is a spiritual warfare. The enemy attacks all the time in all kinds of creative ways, mostly external, but sometimes internally, and that's the hardest. So just prayer for healthy people, healthy decisions, that God just protects us. That's huge. And that would be each staff and and volunteer, as well as an organization for ECTLC. All of our other companies, it goes for as well. Uh, But I feel it every day on campus at ECTLC. And then donations, there's layers. So people could even reach out to me and just have a conversation. But I have a couple burdens on my heart. So I'll share those. One is the kids. And we talked about I've got some good help coming with the teens. But we have a lot of classes and Bible studies that happen. And every time the parents are in there, the kids, there's an opportunity for kids to learn for kids to experience life's transforming activities. And I just can't hire enough people to do that. I have to have volunteers. So that's a huge burden on my mind. Like eight to 16 year olds, is that what you were saying? You know, the, actually I would go younger. So okay. so yes, we need the teens, but I feel like I have hope coming, you know, already. But I have, you know, two ages two to nine, 10 that have not so much of anything. So somebody could volunteer and do a little Sunday school yeah. on yep. Wednesday afternoon or Absolutely. something. Absolutely. Okay. Anything okay. working with those ages, okay. are it's helpful. Right on. And then I would say the networking, and, and I know you're already doing this, but others out there too, there's a way we can network better where, yes, I need a fence. So-and-so has a fence. You with the shade structure, anybody that knows anybody that could help linens if you could just imagine an upkeep of a motel 
And then the program side, Bible studies and mental health counseling and all of that. So the more people can network with me to see, oh, I know a guy that does this, that is very valuable to me. So any kind of connection. Obviously, donations, we need operating costs. So if you know of a person that just has a heart for homeless, that has funds that they would be able to will, willing to help, we're going after lots of different creative money for fixing the pool fence and fixing the windows. And But operating costs, is it, it has to be somebody that just is willing to, hey, 500 a month towards ECTLC. And there you go. I'm, go, I'm go, trying to connect with churches. We're going to do a pastor's breakfast. We're going to do uh, dinner for the construction workers around that have supported us for years. So we can start telling them, hey, look, at this is our needs. This is what we're doing. Uh, and see if we can gather some support like that. So the networking is probably going to be the biggest. Okay, so... We're going to have it in the show notes, but people are famous for not going to show notes. <laughs> so tell everybody who's listening, how can they connect with you? And I think a phone number and the physical address would be important for those people who want to mail something into you or those people who are local uh -huh. who would like to know exactly where it is. Absolutely. So how do they connect with you? Yeah. So we are on East Main Street in El Cajon, and it's, it used to be the Fabulous 7 Motel. So everybody has driven by it many a times and not realized and it's Aunt there. And Emma's. Yep. Right? Remember yeah. Aunt yeah. Emma's? Yeah. Ha -ha Penny. Yeah. Right? <laughs> there we go. Yes. <laughs> so I would say our website's probably the easiest to remember. So I remember ECTLC to say East County TLC, like Tender Love and Care. So that's how yeah. I remember okay. it. So ECTLC.org. If they go to the website, our phone number's there, you can find me there, and anybody can reach out. You can just call me or tell them you're trying to get a hold of me. I'll give email if that's okay too. Sure, I'm yeah. Julie Hayden, so J Hayden, H-A-Y-D-E-N, J Hayden at ectlc.org. I love meeting people. That's what I can do is network and get to know who's in the community. So if people go on the website, I don't have it up yet, but hopefully soon we're going to have a list of all the things we always need like okay. linen towels <laughs> so we go through so many towels and then kind of the special projects like we really need a passenger van we really need a work truck these types of things that just maybe somebody out there in the community yeah. it's something doable for them so my goal is to get all that on a website but if somebody emailed me or did the little you know info comment section on the website it'll get to me and cool. i'd love to give them a tour and talk more do you is there somebody who might be listening who does websites that do you need somebody to do that yes we have people but it's funny it's hard because everybody that's working at ectlc is overloaded gotcha, <laughs> you know? sure. so i have people with the skill set but i got to give them the content anybody mm. i have people but anybody willing to volunteer time we've been talking about with technology it video yeah. of so many ideas but to execute it I would need people to come around us. So anybody with a skill set, I probably have something. <laughs> I have I can, a job for them. Because you can imagine it's facilities like a motel, a restaurant, everything else layered on with the program side. And I'll just put this out there because this is one of my favorite things. It's a work therapy model. So we have people that go do jobs around the city, everywhere, county for people, then the income comes back into us. When they're 
getting ready for graduation, they get a job and the income goes to them. But there's a middle time frame where they're doing jobs out in the community and the income comes to us to help pay for operating costs. So there could be a special relationship with the business that yeah. just needs labor. Yeah. And sometimes like A.M. Ortega as a construction company that will take our guys, 12 guys coming up here soon where they train them and, they, and all that. Then they get to see if they're good or not. And then they hire the ones that stand yeah. out. I think that's genius it for is. a business to do. Absolutely. So you, you're helping out your local community and you get to filter good workers that you yeah. might want to hire. That's, you know, Matt, this is why this, um, this episode guy. was so important because people don't know that whole, that whole story. And we're really encouraging people, hey, help get the word of Jesus's love and his transforming power out there this could absolutely be a perfect fit to so many different people. Like, I want to be a part of that. Yeah. And then some really rich lady just press a donate button. That'd be good too. <laughs> I w you know what I want to do? I don't think I've ever done this. We believe in prayer and the power of prayer and we see the fruit of it. But I want to lead everybody who's listening right now in prayer for Julie and Ray and ECTLC. So this is like a prayer meeting for all of you who are listening right now on Monday when the podcast comes out, but also 10 years from now. Yeah, just keep it. Yeah, so let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for every single person that's listening. Thank you for how you were involved in their life, whether they are in a passionate love affair with you or whether they're, they barely know you. We pray, Father, for provision for them. We pray that what they heard will equip them to depend on you, to understand how much you love them, yeah. and that, that there is such incredible hope. And Father, with everybody, I just joined together, unified to pray um, for Julie and Ray and ECTLC and yeah. all of their needs, Father, for the vision and energy that they bring. Um, I pray especially for their marriage and their family, yeah. because when you're working really hard, that can make other things yep. hard. So we just ask that you would bless all of that. Bless them, Mark. That you would bless them financially, that you would bless them in an overwhelming way with co-workers for the harvest. And I just thank you, Father, that when you saw ahead in the future, long, long ago, hmm. that this would be part of the battle, homelessness and drug addiction and mental health, that, that part of your solution was to create Julie and Ray. Yeah. Hayden. Yeah. We, we just thank you, Lord. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.